Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Thursday edition of the program. Busy hour, so let's get to it. The show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in moments. We'll have a look at lots of news and notes. Of course, there's plenty to talk about. Another dismal IU performance last night. I think the Hoosiers are really, really on the brink of not making the tournament. If I had to put a bet in right now uh, on IU and their postseason hopes, I bet no. I don't think the Hoosiers are going to make the tournament, but we'll talk about that. We'll recap last night's loss at home on senior night. Another bad shooting performance by the Hoosiers coming up here in just a few moments. Also, some IU football news, and it's not necessarily good news. Another late coaching Uh, opening now on Tom Allen's staff as uh, someone leaving the staff. We'll get to that here uh, coming up in our first segment as well. We'll take a look at IU's uh, NCAA tournament standings on the basketball side. There was some great sectional basketball last night, two games out at Salem, and uh, some interesting things to talk about there. We'll have that coming up here in just a few moments. And, of course, we're getting ready now a day away from uh, a big night of sectional semifinal games in the area. And I think that at Borden uh, and Salem, I keep wanting to say North Harrison, but Salem in 3A and Seymour in 4A, I think we're set for uh, specifically in those locations some really, really good doubleheaders, uh, at least with lots of storylines heading into the game. So fun night of sectional hoops coming tomorrow. We'll be up at Seymour and have both of those semifinal games, Jeff and Seymour, at 6 o'clock, and then we'll follow that up with New Albany and Floyd Central around 7.30 or so. Uh, so we'll have the, that here on the Big X from Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium. But that's uh, that's what we'll do today. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall will be with me a little bit later in the hour. As normal, he's always our Thursday guest on IU Basketball. There's plenty to get to. Unfortunately, IU fans, and I feel for you, uh, there's not a lot of positive news to talk about because after what some labeled a play-in game to the tournament in many ways, now the Hoosiers have to go on the road to Purdue to finish up the regular season. So very unlikely, I think, that Indiana able to score a victory for a second time this season against Purdue, especially on the road. But anything could happen. It's the wild and wacky Big Ten Conference, as I always term it. Uh, But even more so, IU doesn't historically have a great reputation of being a team that on good years, mediocre years, bad years, really has much of an opportunity to put a run together in the Big Ten Tournament. And I think the Hoosiers, you know, if they lose to Purdue after the Rutgers loss, 
are going to need to win two, maybe three games in the Big Ten tournament. So we'll get Alex's opinions on all of that, but it's another tough, tough close. I mean, IU fans have been tortured uh, the last number of seasons, and I feel like especially this season as well because Mike Woodson is new. There's been a lot of excitement around him and some of the players and coaches that he's brought into the program. And there was a time earlier in the season when it looked like Indiana was, I don't want to say a surefire thing to go to the NCAA tournament, but it looked like they were really, really going to have a great opportunity to get there and maybe get there without it coming down to these last week, week and a half where IU's just got to win or they're probably out. And that's what Indiana's been faced with now for a number of seasons in a row. So uh, we'll talk more about all of it with Alex, but it's a tough time to be an IU fan and uh, to see that performance uh, on such a big stage and to see Indiana once again fall apart at the end and shoot the basketball the way they did uh, on senior night. And who knows who really is a senior these days and who's coming back. That's another thing we'll get to with Alex here in a little bit. But no way around it, a very tough and demeaning loss for IU. And again, I don't think the Hoosiers make the NCAA tournament this year. Is it possible? Absolutely. Uh, I think a win at Purdue does a whole bunch to change that narrative. I think a win at Purdue maybe gets them in. A win at Purdue and a win in the Big Ten tournament definitely gets them in. But I just don't see the win at Purdue happening. I, I'm, I'm curious, do you? 502-414-1450 if you want to send me your thoughts. But we'll talk about it with Alex a little bit later in the program. And then later in the show, we're going to get you all set for the semifinals on Friday will take you to what I think will be some of the top matchups in the area. If your uh, team is out or you're just looking for a good place to go, get the most bang for your buck, we'll talk about the uh, sectional semifinal games coming up a little bit later in the hour. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Last night, IU loses 66-63 to Rutgers. Uh, tough deal for the Hoosiers, who were led by Trace Jackson Davis. He had 19 points. A really good first half from Jackson Davis. Uh, Rutgers switched to a zone, much more clogged up the interior, which you know what happens when the interior gets clogged, and Trace Jackson Davis maybe doesn't have the room or the touches to operate as normal. Same for Race Thompson as well. It opens up more opportunities for the outside shooting of this team. And last night, Let's just take a look at some of the numbers. Overall from the field, IU shot 41.1%, so 23 of 66 shots last night. The Hoosiers from the three-point line, a dismal 6 of 21 for 28.6% last night. They were 11 of 14 from the free throw line, so 78.6% there. But uh, Xavier Johnson, who had 13 points, 5 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. I thought another decent game. He did have four turnovers last night in 33 minutes, so that took away from his uh, plus-minus score a bit, I'm sure. But solid okay for Xavier Johnson, who's been on a nice tear for the Hoosiers. But outside of uh, race and trace and uh, a little bit from X, uh, the IU guards left a whole bunch to be desired uh, in the loss last night to Rutgers. So shooting continues to be a major issue for this team, just being able to get over the hump. And Rick Bozich wrote a story about the game last night where he talked about not only IU not being able to get over the hump 
uh, with with a big win last night, but just generally to get over the hump for this team to get in the NCAA tournament. So Ron Harper, of course, was the star for Rutgers after a big three for Parker Stewart, uh, which I thought maybe was going to set up a really neat night for him. Uh, Parker would hit the three that tied it. Maybe IU could find a way uh, in overtime to win the ball game if they could get a defensive stop. And then, you know, he was set to make his uh, senior night speech, and it was ended up being a little different because his was recorded. Uh, I guess I, I've read that he maybe isn't a great speaker or wasn't very confident in speaking to the crowd uh, like Race Thompson did, and Race kind of got emotional uh, in those final moments. And with Parker, I think you definitely understand that, given what he's been through, losing his father, his former coach. Uh, so tough night for him, but I thought it was setting up to make him kind of a hero on senior night in Bloomington. And then, of course, Ron Harper gets down the floor, hits the three-pointer, and you know that's the ball game. Uh, Rutgers wins it in regulation. IU doesn't even have an opportunity to force it into overtime after the big three from Parker Stewart. So IU next has Purdue. We'll talk about that game coming up here in just a bit with Alex Bozich. But, uh, again, tough, tough situation for IU as they try to get to the NCAA tournament. I just don't see the path being viable for them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be surprised. But uh, at Purdue is really tough. The Boilermakers are going to be looking for a win uh, over the rival Hoosiers who knocked them off earlier in the season in a very emotional game, the first time that IU played Purdue under Mike Woodson at home. The environment for that game was awesome. And you can bet that Mackey Arena will be rocking for the Purdue side coming up when that game happens here very soon. And, you know, the other thing is Purdue needs a win as they race to stay atop uh, the Big Ten Conference. Or not atop, but near the top of the Big Ten Conference. There's pride in those Big Ten standings, even if you don't finish in first place. And so you can bet that a win over IU helps their win total, helps their record as they get ready to see what seed they will be in the upcoming NCAA tournament. So a tough path ahead. And again, the Big Ten tournament historically, IU's never won it. Uh, it's never been something that the Hoosiers have excelled in, even with good teams. Uh, they've not excelled in the uh, in the Big Ten tournament. So uh, they're going to need some wins there. Uh, they're going to need, I, I think, when it comes down to it after a loss to Purdue, uh, two to three victories there. We'll talk about it coming up here a little bit later in the hour. Also last night, uh, high school basketball was rolling up at the 3A sectional at Salem. And uh, no surprise really in the results last night. Uh, Silver Creek, a big winner, 76-34 over Salem. Uh, they scored like, what, 120 points against Salem uh, a couple weeks ago in one of the Dragons' final regular season games. But for the Dragons, they evened out their record at 12-12. and And even though the Silver Creek team is 500 on the year, they've got a chance to win the sectional. This would be five straight if Brandon Hoffman's team could find a way to win it this year. I thought going into Friday, and Salem's two semifinal games are going to be really good, I think, and there should be an awesome crowd at Salem. I think it's going to be a hard ticket to get, to be quite honest with you, when it comes right down to it. But I thought that the second semifinal game of Friday evening between Silver Creek and Scottsburg would basically be a toss-up uh, based on both teams in the regular season. I thought Scottsburg playing 
a lot better here the last few games of the season. Brandon Northern for Silver Creek, a senior. He, you know that no matter what Scottsburg throws at him defensively, uh, his uh, his senior uh, maybe exit, he's going to put up, do whatever he's got to do to keep his team alive. So I was expecting uh, that game really to be a toss-up, a 50-50 game that I could see going either way by one or two points, to be quite honest. And then last night, uh, rumbling started earlier this week, and I mentioned it yesterday on the show, Caden Oliver, a 20-point-per-game score from Madison that transferred into Silver Creek. His mother, stepmother, received it, was hired to an administrative job. Uh, he had not been eligible, not been officially cleared yet by the IHSA, although I think everyone expected that he would. It's pretty much known if a parent gets hired into an administrative spot, you get immediately eligible at that, the school that that happens at. So I'm not sure all the reasons of delays there. There were some rumors, again, that I won't get into, but – Nonetheless, Caden was declared eligible earlier this week. He played last night for Silver Creek. He got in about oh midway through the first period or so and finished with 10 points in his first game uh, wearing the Silver Creek uniform and was a big boost to his team in a game where they would have easily won without him. Uh, but he did uh, seem to fit in well. And I think, you know, he's been practicing with Silver Creek now for three weeks or so, and he knows those guys. And to get out there with them in the sectional when they need a boost is probably a very, very welcome thing for all of Silver Creek. So Caden Oliver is going to be a big piece, I think, now to the game on Friday night. I know he's still fresh in games with, with this Silver Creek group, but I think he gives Silver Creek the boost they need to get to that championship game on Saturday against North Harrison. And I think the Silver Creek-North Harrison game, I think in normal circumstances you would list Lou the Face team uh, as the favorite, and maybe not a huge favorite, but the favorite over Silver Creek if that game happens on Saturday. But Caden Oliver's addition, I think, uh, makes that game much closer. I still think I would pick uh, North Harrison in a uh, back-against-the-wall decision, but uh, I do think the Dragons have a legitimate chance now uh, to win another 3A sectional locally when you put the combination specifically of Northern and uh, Oliver together for the Dragons. So we'll see what happens. It sure makes Friday night's games already interesting. I think even more interesting now with the addition of Oliver to the roster. But last night, uh, Silver Creek Crews, they built a 30-8 to lead at the end of the first period and led 52-12 to at halftime as they cruised to the championship or to the semifinal game, I should say, Friday night at Salem. So two good semifinals there. We'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later in the hour. And final headline I want to mention today, uh, kind of a late departure here from Tom Allen's coaching staff, uh, Indiana wide receivers coach and co-offensive coordinator Grant Hurd has left the university to be the new wide receivers coach at the University of Central Florida. So Hurd was with Coach Allen and the Hoosiers for five seasons as receivers coach. Then he was reported was promoted to co-offensive coordinator before the 2020 season. And uh, one of his first hires, one of Coach Allen's first hires in 2017, he brought him to IU after coaching uh, four seasons at Ole Miss. So a loss for IU, I think, but more so a timely loss or an untimely loss maybe is the right thing to say uh, to lose another coach once you finally thought after a number of changes this offseason for the IU staff that things were set uh, for the spring uh, for next season. But there's going to be uh, another change here, another new face you would think coming in 
uh, to the IU football program. I'm sure that that uh, search will begin immediately, but uh, no question. Uh, kind of interesting to follow what all has happened. I mean, it's never in college sports a surprise after even good seasons to see some shakeups, some folks leave for uh, more opportune jobs or an assistant coach get a head coaching job. But there's been an abundance of changes with the staff this year for one reason or another. Some of them are, understa- are understandable. Some maybe aren't as understandable. This one a little surprising to see it happen this late. And obviously UCF, uh, a good uh, Division One program, but not a Big Ten conference school, just Interesting to see the timing of it all. So IU with another opening uh, on its football staff at the wide receivers uh, spot, the coaches spot for the Hoosiers will follow who the uh, Indiana program looks to bring in there uh, in the coming days. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. With Alex, we'll talk last night's game, NCAA hopes for this IU team. We'll maybe preview the Purdue game a little bit, look at some potential Big Ten tournament matchups for the Hoosiers as well. That all gets underway next week, midweek for IU. So lots of hoops ahead. IU, their backs against the wall once again. Alex Bozich is next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Thursday program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And one texter writes, uh, you know, even if they make the tournament, they will play a top three seed, and it will be a nasty loss. Coach Woodson might as well be recruiting some shooters these 50, low 60 games have to go to way. I guess he means scoring-wise, low 50, low 50-point, low 60-point games have to go away. Uh, so lots of transfers, he follows up. So send your questions, comments for Alex uh, on IU Basketball to us now, 502-414-1450. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest always in this segment on Thursdays. And, Alex, I think we start with the NCAA tournament uh, let's talk about where IU is at after this uh, loss at home on senior night. Well, they're not in a good spot, obviously, Matt. It was uh, a game last night that they really needed to get. It wasn't necessarily going to move the needle in a significant way or move them up. It was probably just going to keep them about where they were uh, if they wanted because it was just a quad three game for Indiana based on where Rutgers is uh, in the net rankings. But the fact that it's a loss, uh, now is I think their first loss uh, that falls below quad two, so it kind of goes on the ledger as a as a uh, as a pretty big negative. And at this point of the season, Indiana needed uh, to, to win probably uh, one of its final two regular season games. It didn't get the win uh, last night, so now it, it goes into a situation on Saturday where it's going to go to Purdue uh, in a game that Purdue 
very going to be very hungry to win based on the fact that it's a rivalry game and Indiana beat them the first time. Very tough situation. So Indiana's uh, obviously they're not out of it. Uh, they've got the Big Ten tournament still ahead, and there's plenty of opportunities there if they can uh, win some games in Indianapolis. But they've really put themselves now in, in a tough position uh, to get in uh, as an at-large team because they're going to have to do, as I said, probably get to Saturday uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, to have a chance, and that would include probably beating uh, a team early on, on Thursday and then likely have to beat the number one seed uh, on the second day of the Big Ten tournament uh, to get to Saturday. All right, uh, Alex, uh, let, let's assume for just a moment that Indiana is not going to beat uh, Purdue at Saturday afternoon at Mackey Arena. I think that most listening would probably agree with that. Anything's possible, but very unlikely at this point. Uh, in the Big Ten tournament, you kind of just sized it up for us. A, a couple wins probably necessary uh, to have a chance at the NCAA. Uh, it, it, can you take us through what the bracket looks like right now? I've seen a couple different renditions of what the Big Ten tournament bracket looks like as of going into last night or as of uh, Thursday morning. Who would maybe IU face off with in round one or possibly need to beat in round one or two to, to have a, a shot here? Uh, it's looking like the, the most likely opponent is going to be either Iowa or Michigan State. Now, uh, that is, is pretty dependent on, on what happens here uh, the next couple of games uh, with Iowa. Iowa plays Michigan uh, tonight on the road, and then uh, this weekend uh, I believe they play at Illinois. So, you know, they're – if they lose both games, I think that that would be uh, the opponent for Indiana on Thursday. Now, if Iowa was able to beat Michigan tonight, looking at the uh, the road, it could potentially be Indiana, Michigan. Uh, a lot will have has to do with what happens with with Michigan State, uh, Iowa, uh, and Michigan. Those are the three teams that are uh, the potential opponents. But I believe Indiana is basically locked into that. Uh, that game on Thursday, the first game, it's just the, the opponent uh, is going to be uh, determined about what happens here the next couple of games. Michigan's final two games are at home uh, against Iowa, and then they play at Ohio State. So still a lot to be determined. I mean, ideally, I think Indiana uh, would want to play uh, Iowa or Michigan State over Michigan just based on how uh, well Michigan's handled the Hoosiers in recent seasons, but we'll see how it all shakes out. There's a, there's actually a website. If you just go into Google and uh, type in, it's like Big Ten basketball tournament bracket generator. You can go in there and uh, it should be like one of the first results that, that pops up, and you can actually go in there and change the results for the upcoming games and see what the different seeding scenarios are. It's pretty interesting. But Indiana, unless uh, they win uh, at Purdue and some other things happen above them in the standings. They're pretty much locked in. I think there's that eight nine game. All right, Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Let's let's go through last night's game. It was a tough one for Hoosier fans. IU got off to a good start. Trace Jackson Davis was really rolling offensively, as was Ray Thompson. Then I thought maybe the complexion of the game changed when Rutgers made the decision to drop back in a two three zone. It took away opportunities in the post for. TJD and for race, and it opened up more shooting opportunities uh, for IU's guards, and we know how that went and how it's went much of the season. Yeah, I mean, if you're Rutgers, 
that that was the logical adjustment to make because Trace Jackson Davis in the first half really took it to them, and I don't think they had a really great a great matchup with with any. I mean, Cliff Amore is a really good one on one defender, but they were worried about fouls with him, and he picked up a foul early, and they had to come in uh, with a reserve. I think Dean Reber's his name, just not he was not able to cover Trace Jackson Davis. So the logical uh, adjustment for Rutgers in the second half was to go into the, the zone and, and letting and, and make Indiana beat them with perimeter shots. And it wasn't that Indiana didn't get good looks from the from the outside. They just didn't make them. I mean it was Parker Stewart and, and Miller Cop who have been at times reliable uh, from the perimeter this season in terms of makes and you know, haven't taken a high volume. They actually last night got a decent volume of shots and got some open looks, but just couldn't connect uh, from the perimeter. And I, I really thought that was the difference in the game was the adjustment that Rutgers made in the second half uh, to go to that zone. And then Indiana just unable really to make uh, shots consistently from the perimeter. Uh, and, and Rutgers was able to take Trace Jackson Davis out of the game almost completely uh, just by going to that zone. And, and I, I thought it was a really good adjustment by Steve Pico. The other thing I, I, I will say just, in general, and this is, I think, is something that's really frustrated IU fans all season, is just Indiana comes out after halftime and they had a seven-point lead and they let Rutgers just get right back into the game. You know, in, in a situation like that where it's basically a must-win uh, if you want to solidify your tournament hopes, the lack of urgency and just the lack of execution early in that second half, I think, was something that, that we've seen frequently throughout the season, and I think it's something that people uh, has people concerned just based on where uh, Indiana is as a team. You know, Mike Woodson's talked a lot about teaching uh, these guys how to win and getting over the hump and, and different cliches that he's used over the course of the season, and it just seems like it's the same thing over and over on a game-to-game basis. They come out, uh, play well early, and then maybe close the first half out not in the best fashion. I mean, they had that 10-point lead, and then they let Geo Baker hit a three, late in the half to cut it to seven and then second half they come out uh and don't play well it's 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 a familiar script that's happened time and time again this season i want to bring this up parker stewart who was brought in by archie miller but did not play under coach miller and then miller cop who came in under coach woodson very early on in his tenure both of those guys were brought to bloomington to be three-point shooters and make three-point shots Last night, a combined three for 16 from the field in 65 minutes total. It, those It just hasn't worked out. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, it's we've talked about this all season, uh, Matt. Both of those guys are, are very one-dimensional in terms of what they can do offensively, and they don't really do much in terms of creating shots for themselves. Now, last night, I thought they had the ball in, in pretty good position uh, to make shots. They they had, if you go back and watch the film, they had a lot of open looks. They just didn't knock them down at any uh, consistent rate. And so those guys, I mean, the shooting numbers for, the, for those two guys last night I thought were obviously a huge uh, negative for Indiana in the game because – uh, if the if the opposition is going to take away uh, your best player, your role players have to step up. And, and I was a little surprised second half, too, just kind of the lack of minutes for guys like Jordan Geronimo. And we saw Tamar Bates, I think, early in the first half, or, or in the midway through the first half. Didn't see him at all in the second half. 
a little curious to me with those guys not hitting anything, why not maybe switch it up and, and go with uh, different guys that Mike Woodson said postgame that he wanted to go with his upperclassmen and, and seniors uh, last night down the stretch, and, and that's what he did, and, and it didn't work out for the Hoosiers. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guess. We're talking IU's loss last night to Rutgers and uh, where this team is at looking at a uh, possible NCAA tournament bid. Alex, you know, moving forward, and I don't want to talk about next season yet or the off season yet because IU's got the game at Purdue and got the Big Ten tournament. There's still a chance on the board for this team to get into postseason basketball here later in March. But, you know, does Mike Woodson need to spend and the staff need to spend an extra amount of time uh, this offseason, recruiting guys that are specifically knockdown shooters. Is that what this team needs first and foremost as you look at future seasons in Bloomington? I don't know if it's necessarily knockdown shooters. I, I think it's just wings that can score in, in multiple ways. I mean, obviously you want guys that can shoot, but they also, excuse me, they also need some guys that can. Uh, just create offense from the wing position because really uh, what they've been running out there for most of the year with, with Stewart and Cop is, is guys that are reliant completely on other players to create opportunities, whether that be Xavier Johnson, you know, creating for, for Cop and Stewart or Cop and Stewart getting uh, opportunities from kickouts when the ball goes into Trey Jackson Davis. They're, they're not um, – able to really do anything besides catch and shoot effectively so I, I i think obviously you want guys that can make threes but you also want guys that can that can do uh things other than just stand out on the perimeter and make threes you got to have guys that can you know take a couple dribbles and you know get into the lane and, and maybe knock down a floater or um you know if 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 things aren't going well in terms of you know kickouts and all that a guy that can you know move the ball around and, and create uh, opportunities and shots for uh, his teammates. I think that's really what this team is lacking uh, is I think point guard plays one thing that can be better with more consistency. And I think the other thing is just wings uh, and athletes on the wing that can, uh, that can make some three point shots, but also aren't so one dimensional. Talking with Alex Bozich inside the hall. Purdue is next. We know the season this Purdue team has had and as good as it's been in many regards, I think some people, uh, you know, listed them early on as a Final Four caliber team. And uh, when Michigan started off the season uh, and really has continued the season, not as dominant as people thought, uh, Purdue was the automatic thought to be Big Ten champion this year. And so Purdue's maybe had a great year, but not the year even that they had hoped or their fans had hoped. But still a really good one in the conference. This is a tough matchup coming on Saturday. Uh, given the game is at Mackey Arena, given that Purdue is trying to finish the season strong, and we know what happened, one of the big moments of Mike Woodson's time so far was a win for IU over Purdue at home uh, back in the middle of the season. I, I think that Purdue's going to come out with guns blazing trying to get this home win over IU Saturday. Yeah, Purdue's disappointed that they didn't win the Big Ten. Uh, they're obviously going to be looking for revenge from the first game. And that's one of the most hostile, tough places to play uh, if you're any Big Ten opponent. And when you're Indiana, it's it gets uh, ratcheted up several levels because those fans look forward to Indiana coming to town every year and, and beating the Hoosiers. And that's what they've done a lot of 
uh, in recent years. I don't think Indiana's won up there since. Uh, I haven't looked at it. I, I, my, my guess is they haven't won up there since the since Cody Zeller uh, was in Bloomington. So it's, it's been quite a while. Uh, and that was that period back when Purdue was down there for a couple of years. So it's going to be uh, a, a really uh, tough environment for Indiana to go into. I think Purdue's going to be focused and, and wanting to get back on track. They still have a lot to play for uh, in terms of their NCAA tournament seeding. It's a win they need to get. Uh, going into the Big Ten tournament to give them some momentum, I think they're definitely a team that could be dangerous in Indianapolis to win the Big Ten tournament and maybe improve their seed uh, from an NCAA tournament perspective. You know, you talked about Purdue maybe being a little bit disappointing this year. I think it's all based on the fact that their defense has just not been uh, reliable enough. I mean, they have one of the, the most elite offenses in the country, and they, they score with anybody, but they can't um, necessarily uh, – rely on their defense to win them games. I think that's really let them down in key spots. But I think it's going to be a, a really tough game for Indiana, and I'd be surprised if the Hoosiers can go up there and get a victory. All right, Alex, if, if this IU program, this team, does not make the NCAA tournament this year, is that cause for concern in year one of Coach Woodson's time, or is this just a, a building process where he's going to have to have, just like Archie Miller, who was unable after some years to turn it around, uh, and Tom Crean and others that have taken that job, is he going to have to have some time to, to build it up and, and get there, or is the expectation at IU year one, Mike Woodson, whoever, you got to get to the NCAA tournament every season? Yeah, I mean, I think it it's a disappointment no matter what, how you look at it if they don't make the tournament, and I, and I don't think it should be viewed as being acceptable by the fan base or by anybody who, uh, you know, supports or follows the program. I mean, that's to me, was the baseline expectation coming into the season was to make the tournament. I think the pieces are in place to do so. Uh, did, you know, was it a perfect team? Was it the most talented team? Uh, no, but there was there's enough guys on this team uh, that are, are talented enough and can do enough things to where Indiana just you know could have definitely uh, made the tournament with this group. They still could. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I think the the biggest thing is going to this year is going to be looked back on in terms of just Woodson and the coaching and everything is is how many times like close games down the stretch they just weren't weren't, weren't unable to execute uh, and uh, finish games down the stretch I mean I think that's the defining uh theme of Indiana's season at this point there's a ton of games uh both Wisconsin games I mean I can go down the list I mean they were beating Illinois at halftime uh the Syracuse get Syracuse game, the Penn State game on the road, the Northwestern game on the road, the Iowa game on the road. The list goes on and on, Matt. You know, they win one or two of those games, and we're sitting here having completely different conversations about this team, but it was a consistent theme, and I think that requires a lot of uh, soul-searching in the offseason, whether it's better coaching, uh, better, um, you know, rotations and who's playing and who's getting minutes and, and who needs to stay and who needs to go from the roster and what they need to do. But I just don't think you can continue to miss the tournament year in and year out uh, and, and be looked upon, looked at it and viewed by your fans as things uh, moving in the right direction. I mean, I think Mike Woodson talked a lot about competing for Big Ten championships and getting back to the tournament this year. And if they don't get that done, then I don't think there's anything, any way other, any way to look at it other than it being a disappointment. 
All right, Alex Bozich is my guest. Alex, I do want to talk about the roster for a moment. It's it's kind of hit the horizon as we get late in the year. Senior night last night, Race Thompson gave a pretty emotional uh, speech in person after the game and after the loss. Parker Stewart uh, recorded his, which, again, with everything that young man has been through, losing his father, who was his coach previously, uh, I'm sure a very, very tough situation for him as he reaches uh, his senior year in college. But, you know, in the world we're in, in college hoops, um, even if IU was having just this tremendous season, uh, everybody is going to hit the transfer portal. There's people coming and going all the time, and it's already started in some regards for this upcoming off offseason. Um, I don't think there's any question that there's going to be some people stay, there's going to be some people leave that we haven't even thought about or discussed. Do you expect a whole bunch of movement from this roster in the offseason, whether it's some of these guys that have another year that you know maybe they, they want to move on to professional life or overseas basketball or whatever it may be, and then underclassmen as well that have a handful of years left. Do you think it's possible we see a very active offseason as far as players departing? And, of course, that means open spots for new players to come in. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely possible. Um, it's, it's really hard to uh, project what's going to happen before the season uh, even ends. And we, we see, uh, obviously, they're, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, I would assume they would playing the NIT, so there's definitely a lot of games to go potentially uh, still in the season, and, and we don't know how guys will perform here down the stretch and if you know anything will change in terms of who's getting minutes these last couple weeks of the season, who's not. But I, I definitely think there's going to be some, some movement, but I don't think that's just exclusive to Indiana or uh, you know this program uh, specifically. I think it's kind of the theme of what we're going to see uh, in college basketball moving forward with when guys have this one time kind of uh, free transfer where they don't have to sit out uh, they're going to look and, and see you know is this the best spot for me is this where I think I can develop and this is where I'm going to get the most opportunity or should I go somewhere else and I wouldn't be surprised that not not just in Indiana but a lot of schools in the Big Ten and across the country that, that there's going to be a lot of movement and that's kind of the new reality of how college basketball is going to work. It's, it's basically like a, we've talked about it before. I think I've called it a free agency of sorts. Uh, and that's basically um, how it's going to have to be looked at. And that's just something that coaches are going to have to continue to deal with and uh, manage. Uh, that's why they're being paid as handsomely as they are, is they got to figure these things out. And I think uh, for Indiana, it's going to be no different. They're going to have to, uh, I think deal with some roster attrition, whether that be guys who graduate, guys who into the portal, and they're gonna have to figure out who they want to bring in and, and uh, who they can get, and and maybe do a better job of identifying players that can actually help them. Because I think one of the things you look at this year, the four guys that they brought in via transfer. I know Parker Stewart was already here, but he qualifies kind of as a transfer that played for the first time uh, this year at Indiana. Really. Besides Xavier Johnson, none of the none of the four transfers made all that big of an impact. Obviously, Cop and Stewart played a, a lot of minutes, but statistically didn't bring all that much to the table with any consistency. And Michael Durr, I thought, uh, was was for the most part a disappointment this season. Alex, I had one more thing on my list as far as a player goes, and that was jo- Jordan Geronimo. Last night in the game, he finished with six points. He was three or four from the field. He had just nine minutes. Do you think he's built a case here this season, specifically over the last month or so, that he should be receiving more playing time? I do. Um, 
I, I thought it was a little, uh, I thought it was interesting that he wasn't in the game more last night. I thought he played really well at times, and I think he would uh, definitely have been somebody that I would have looked at for more minutes uh, down the stretch uh, yesterday. And he's somebody that I think has a lot of potential uh, if he chooses to stick around and continue to develop uh, in this program. I think he has an excellent future. But, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think he was somebody uh, that you look at and say that there's an argument that he uh, deserved more minutes. I mean, I think earlier in the season he was making a lot of turnovers, but I think in recent weeks he's rebounded the ball a lot better and just played a lot more under control and uh, looks like a guy to me that, that can be relied on moving forward. Alex Bozich, Inside the Hall. You can read his work at InsideTheHall.com, uh, at Inside the Hall on Twitter. He's a great follow for IU Basketball, and he's with us Thursdays. Uh, Alex, it's been it's been a tough go of it. I feel like that, uh, and you've been probably the longest regular standing guest that we've had. I think you came on uh, the first couple days of this show. It's been a number of years mm-hmm. ago now. It's amazing to me if we went back on the podcast, and I think they're still out there, and uh, went back to late February, early March, Thursday conversations that you and I have, and a lot of the questions that I've asked you today, I think it's it's amazing the repeats that we've had over all these years when you've joined us here on the Hoosier Report. Uh, for IU fans, I, I, I feel so tough for them after games last night uh, where you get in these late-season situations and you, you're faced once again with disappointment. And I know you interact and, and hear from a lot of IU fans on a regular basis. So this has once again been a very, very tough end to February and a tough start to March for IU fans. Yeah, it's there's a lot of frustration, and I get it. Uh, people care so much about this program. They, they spend their money. They spend their time. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been fans for, for generations. I mean, you grow up and your, your family's an IU fan, so you're, you're born into it and uh, you can't help but care about the program. And people want to see uh, more than anything else, just the team be successful. I don't think there was huge expectations for uh, anything too outlandish in terms of where this team would finish this year. But I think the, like I said, the baseline expectation was to make the tournament. And now that it feels like that's not going to happen, I think there's a lot of frustration and I get it. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you and I, the same, Matt, like for, for what we do, it's a lot more fun uh, to talk about a, a winning team or write about a winning team. And it just hasn't been the case now for a long period of time. So it's going to have to be something that Indiana figures out here over the next uh, couple months and moving into next season. Uh, definitely don't want to let this thing slip any further than it has in the last, uh, you know, 15, 20 years, because at that point you run into the situation where you know some people stop caring and things like that i mean i think indiana has a great fan base and there's a lot of baseline of folks that will always care but you definitely want to try to be adding people uh in terms of fans and people who care about your program and it's hard to do that when you're not winning uh, with any regularity absolutely alex bozich with us on thursdays inside the hall.com alex thanks for the chat thank you matt all right we go back to the thornton's text line Another comment, Texter says, I like everything IU does. They have great effort, play great defense, and never give up. Whenever a team seals off the middle, Indiana is forced to shoot from 15 feet out, and they can't. Indiana has the best high school guards in the country. 
why can't our guys shoot? I think we covered uh, some of that with Alex in the last segment. But I did want to mention this. Somebody sent me a screenshot of something from last night. I think just a, a fan tweeting this out. But he went through the history, especially under Archie Miller, when Archie had a three-year span where basically outside of Aaron Henry and then Keon Brooks a little bit later, he got most of the big-name players from – in the state, some of them, Trey Galloway, Anthony Lill on the roster, and maybe you could argue, and I know Trey's been hurt, Trey has come on and gotten more playing time, and maybe you could argue Anthony Lill should get more playing time. I, I, I would get some of that, I think, that argument. But, uh, you know, Indiana has had a lot of in-state guys. Maybe not all of them, but they've had a number of them, and uh, you do know that our state has the reputation for having great shooters. Uh, Luke Brown is one that I think uh, impressed so many people in his run uh, at Blackford, and now he's back in the state, and next year will play uh, college ball here in the Hoosier State at Ball State. Uh, so I know the shooting is a problem. Indiana's got a lot of great shooters, but I'm not sure that the fix is as easy as what you think just getting in-state guys on the roster. I think it's got to be a mix of in-state and out-of-state guys. It's got to be a mix of shooters, whether they come from Indiana or beyond. It's got to be a mix of other players that fit in the mode of the Big Ten Conference and where college basketball is at today. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with our final segment. We'll go through Friday's sectional pairings and get you all set for a big semifinal night across the area. I'll be in Seymour with Jeff Crawford. We'll have the Jeff Seymour game. I think that'll be a good game. Seymour is tough. Seymour beat the Red Devils in regular season play without Will Lovings Watts, who was suspended, and also Kobe Studemeyer. I believe he either injured his ankle that game or he missed that game because of an injury, an ankle injury. So uh, Jeff will look different against Seymour, but it'll be a tough game at 6. Then we'll have the 7.30, 8 o'clock game, uh, which is a rivalry game. Floyd Central, the favorite over New Albany in that contest. Stay with us. Sectional pairings and a little preview of tomorrow night coming up next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here, uh, Thursday program. Just a couple of minutes to wrap things up. Uh, it's 4-8 sectional pairings tomorrow. It is Seymour 15-6 and six against Jeffersonville 8-11. and 11. And then New Albany and Floyd Central play the Bulldogs 11-11. 11 11. Floyd Central 18-4 and four and coming off just a huge double overtime win over Jennings County. I can always count on my buddy Clark Miles to keep me uh, in tune and in check. Clark's like a 32-year assistant coach at Jeffersonville, former fire chief in Jeffersonville, and a great friend. He said, Matt uh, Studemeyer got hurt in the third quarter of the regular season Jeff Seymour game. And then Coach Grants, that was a game where he was ill with pneumonia. So in addition to Will Loving's Watts being out, Studemeyer missed the final quarter, and Coach uh, Grants not there for that contest either. 3A at Salem, 
I think that may be the best environment for Friday night as far as crowds go. You've got Corden at 14 and 7 against sectional favorite North Harrison, 17 and 3. Lou LaFay's team having an outstanding year. Then Silver Creek and Scottsburg, that'll be a battle in game two. Southwestern, Providence, Switzerland County. Pioneers the big favorite there. Clarksville, Southwestern. Could the Generals upset Southwestern? And then at Borden, another great semifinal set. Borden and Rock Creek, that should be a good one. And then South Central and Christian Academy. Back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m. To get you set for tomorrow night, this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.